to Glory to Glory, the radio teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Join us now in our study as we open the Word together. Tonight we're going to be looking at Psalm 32. So if you can turn there with me to Psalm 32. Interesting, if you're a note taker, which, you know, it helps when we take notes to, at least for me, it's interesting, all the years I've taken notes, I don't typically go back and look at my notes. I do sometimes, uh, there's times I'll go back and look at old notes and it'll really bless me. But I think uh, for the most part, the reason why I like writing notes, somehow it helps lock it in for me. When I'm writing it down, it kind of helps lock it in my memory bank. So it's a, it's a fun thing to do. It's a, a powerful thing to do um, if you're a note taker. But a, a good note to take, this psalm is known or called a spiritual gem. A spiritual gem. So uh, if you've read Psalm 32, you know that it is a gem. It's rich. It's so packed with, you know, good spiritual truth. So it's a spiritual gem. Um, it's also known as a psalm of instruction, a psalm of instruction. And if you, if you look at the introduction of it, it says a psalm of David, and then it says a contemplation. Well, that Hebrew word contemplation means to give instruction or understanding. So if you take notes, you might want to write that next to that word. Contemplation uh, is a word that means instruction. And you're going to see, we'll receive instruction as uh, the Lord instructs David and gives us instruction. And lastly, King David wrote this psalm after he fell with Bathsheba, after he committed adultery with Bathsheba, and after he had Bathsheba's uh, wife, or excuse me, wife, yeah, that'd be pretty bad. <laughs> husband uh, Uriah killed. Uh, so he penned this, as you're going to see, and it's, there's confession in here, so it's, uh, so it's David's confession, so it's packed full of good stuff, so let's go ahead and dig in. Psalm 32, as we go through selective Psalms, verse 1, and David writes, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Isn't that a powerful verse? <laughs> Blessed is he. The word blessed can also be translated, oh, how happy. Oh, how happy. Oh, how happy is he. You know, there's such joy and happiness, I guess, for lack of a better word, when we realize that our sin is forgiven, our transgression, you know, is covered or it's taken care of. And it, it brings such joy, doesn't it, when you realize that for the first time as a Christian? I mean, you know, what did that do for you? You know, think back. I remember when I gave my life to Jesus Christ in the, the weight that was lifted off of me when I realized my sin is forgiven. And I, I remember my sister that led me to the Lord. She, she you know, kind of gave a little picture for me, an analogy. She says, she says, Joey, she calls me Joey. She says, you know, think of this. All the sin you've ever committed, think if it was written on a blackboard. Every sin you ever committed, you know, it, it was written down. Well, Jesus took a big eraser and he erased every sin that you've ever committed. And I remember it struck me. I was like, really? Is that real? And that's the gospel. When we confess our sin, we're told, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from, and I think you know this, all unrighteousness. When we confess our sin to the Lord, he, he is faithful and just to forgive us, but not only forgive us, he, he cleanses us, he washes us, he, he purifies us. And David in his psalm, as he realizes there's forgiveness of sin, even if you commit adultery, even if you commit murder, which he did both, there's forgiveness of sin. 
And how happy is the man that realizes that? How, how happy is the man when he comes to that understanding, when he repents of his sin, when he turns away from, from his wicked ways and he seeks the Lord and he gives the Lord his, his sin at the cross? In the New Testament, obviously, we give our sin to Jesus Christ at the cross. I believe, you know, in the Old Testament, it was the, the looking forward of the coming Messiah. We look back at the Messiah that died for us, but, but in the Old Testament, it was looking forward to the Messiah to come. And, and David was looking forward to the Messiah. He believed that the Messiah would come one day. We look back at the Messiah that already came. And they had sacrifices back then that all pointed to Jesus Christ. Oh, how happy is the man. If you are forgiven of your sins, if you're a born-again Christian here today, I, I pray that there's that joy and that happiness that just keeps you know, building up in your heart when you realize, I am forgiven. Forgiven. This, this word means to lift, to bear up, to take, to take away. Cover means to cover over or hide away. Kind of like, you know, it's a, a picture of hiding it away. Like the, the Lord just, you know, takes it away and just, you know, it's like, you know, Lord, keep it away from me. I don't want to see it anymore. But there's a difference between transgression and sin. They're, they're, they're two different things. This word sin means to, it means to miss the mark. Sin, missing the mark. It's, it's a term for an archer, you know, someone that, that shoots an arrow. And he, he, if he hits the bullseye, he hit the, you know, he, he hit the mark. But, but many times you don't hit the mark, and, and that's sin. No, sometimes, no matter how hard we try, isn't that, isn't that reality as a Christian? It's like sometimes you try so hard. It's like, I'm not going you know, to mess up today. I'm not going to do anything wrong today. Lord, I'm walking in the Spirit. Nothing is going to go wrong. I'm just going to be you and me, Lord. And I, I'm going to stay in the Spirit. We're going to walk in the Spirit. And then guess what? You missed the mark. And we all miss the mark. But, but also, you know, it's, you know, we should always be trying to hit the mark. And, and I know sometimes what people will do is they, they miss the mark and they mess up and they miss the mark. And, they, and then finally, you know, I see some Christians, they just give up and they're like, well, forget this stuff. I can't hit the mark. And that's not what we're supposed to do. We're to continue to, to walk in the Spirit and try to walk in the Spirit. And as soon as we mess up, as soon as we, we fail, as soon as we sin, as soon as we miss that mark, we, we're to go on our knees and go to the Lord. I, you know, I'm just visually saying on our knees, but you know what I mean. You're, you're to repent and turn to the Lord. But then there's transgression. Now, that's totally different. The transgression is willful sin. It's, it's willfully you know, stepping over the line, basically. It's rebellion. It's, it's like the line, the Lord says, this is the line, and you're like, you're not trying to stay away from the line. You're not doing, you're like, okay, the line's right there, and you're like, was anybody looking? And then you go over the line. You just willfully just step over there. That's transgression. That's rebellion. And David committed both. He knew it was wrong to commit adultery. He knew it was wrong to, to have Uriah killed. He knew all. It wasn't something that he thought, oh, I missed the mark on this one. No, it was willful disobedience, rebellion. And God hates that. It reminds me of a story about a father that was, he was driving down the road with his daughter in the back seat. You know, she was in a seatbelt and all, the young daughter. And, and she was very self-willed and she took off the seatbelt. She started standing up and jumping around in the back seat. And the father, you know, says, honey, sit down. You got to sit in your seatbelt. Get, you know, buckle back up in your seat. And she's like, no, no. And she's, you know, jumping up and down. He says, honey, you know, I'm going to pull over. You know what that means? You know, get in your, your seatbelt, sit down. And she's like, no, daddy, no, no. And she's like, and he's like, okay. And he starts pulling over to the side of the road. And she's like, okay. She jumps in her seat. You know, she puts her seatbelt on right away. And he, you know, he let her go. He started riding down the road and said, okay, he's letting her go. And then she says, daddy? He says, yeah. And he says, you know, she says, on the, she says, on the outside, I'm sitting down. But she says, 
she said, excuse me, yeah, on the outside I'm sitting down, but she said, on the inside, I'm still standing. <laughs> and that's that self-will, that stubbornness. King David messed up. He repented of his sin. He experienced the happiness, the joy, the blessedness of being forgiven. It's taken away. Isn't that great when you realize that your sin has been taken away? Isn't it awesome when you realize when you mess up and you even transgress and you willfully do something wrong and then you, you connect with God and you give him that, that sin and it's just like in, the weight is lifted off? That's what we're reading about. Verse 2, blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and in whose spirit there's no deceit. Blessed is the man. Not, not only is he blessed, you know, for having his transgression forgiven and sin covered, there's another blessing here. It, it, when the Lord does not impute iniquity, it, the, the word imputes a, a bookkeeping term. It means to put on your account or add to your account. Iniquity is perversity or some, you know, something twisted, you, the, the, uh, twisted way. And, and your twisted ways, he's not adding those ways on your account, the perversity, your, your, your acts of, that are, are twisted. He's not putting that on your account. He's not keeping count. Isn't that great? That in heaven, you know, when we mess up, you know, there, there's an account of everything. There would be a long list for most of us when we get to heaven. If, if God was to, you know, take account every wrong thing that we did and it was written down in this book and he was taking account of, of everything we did wrong. And David's saying that you don't impute that. It's so blessed to realize that you're, you're not adding it on my account. Sometimes I don't even, I can't even fathom that. I can't even, you know, wrap my brain around the fact that, that you know, my sin because of what Jesus Christ did at the cross is erased when we get to heaven. And not only that, not only is our sin erased when we get to heaven, most of, we know, most of us know this, but, but then his righteousness is added to, onto our account on the books. That's what the, the Bible tells us. It, the righteousness of Christ, his righteousness is added on our books. So on our books, you know, you look in the book, on your account, and it says righteousness of Christ, Christian. I think that's, you know, when we get to heaven, I think that's you know, going to be one of the reasons we're probably just going to drop on our knees and say, thank you, Lord. Let's, you know, let's look in the book of life. Okay, let's look. Whoa, there's your name written in the book. Added to your account, the righteousness of, of Jesus Christ. Just hearing that, doesn't that? What, what happens in your heart when you hear that? It's like, wow. Thank you, Lord, I'm a Christian. Wow. Deceit in whom, you know, spirit, there is no deceit. There's no, the, the word basically is deception. And David, as he writes this, he, he realizes that he probably lived in deception. Remember when he, when he fell, he had to, you know, hide it. He couldn't tell everybody what, what he did. They say it was over nine months before he, he confessed what he did. Nine months. Over nine months. Some say, you know, nine months to a year, you know. And so he had to deceive. He had to lie. He had to, you know, lie about what happened. He couldn't tell anybody that, you know, he, he had Uriah killed. Think of the heaviness, knowing that. This, that Uriah, a just man, and he had him killed. And think of the heaviness that would put on anybody's heart, realizing you, you killed that you had an innocent man killed because of your lust. But David here says, you, take, you took away you know, my spirit, there's no deceit anymore. When he confessed it to the Lord. You know the story. Remember what happened? How he, when he confessed it, remember Nathan the prophet went to David? Remember that story? 
And David was hiding his sin. He didn't tell anyone his sin. And then remember, Nathan, you know, he went to, to David and he, he, you know, made up this story. Remember, he said there was, there was two men in your kingdom, he told David. He said there's a rich man and there's a poor man that's, that live in your kingdom. He says, well, you know, the poor man only had one little sheep. And then that little sheep was like part of the family. This little sheep, he, you know, was, you know, was like a daughter to this one man. They loved this little sheep. It was a, a pet. But then there was the rich man, and the rich man had all kinds of flocks and herds and all. And, and, but the rich man had company come over, and instead of taking one of his sheep of his own you know, flock, he, he went and took the poor man's little sheep. Remember that? And he had it killed, and he fed it to his guest. And remember what David, David was incensed. He says, you know, that man should be killed. And pay four times as much. Have him pay him back. And he's just, and then remember Nathan looked at him and he says, uh, David, you're that man. You're the one that had Bathsheba. You took Bathsheba away from this young man, this innocent man. And you did all this, you know, you had the husband Uriah killed. You're that man. And that's when he confessed his sin and the deceit was over. So blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, our twisted ways, our perversity, in whose spirit there's no deceit. Deceit's terrible, isn't it? I know people, you know, there's some people there, there, I never was good at, even in the world, at, at lying. I was never good at it because you have to be good because you have to know how to cover your tracks. And, you know, it's like I would always say, well, I thought you said this. And I was like, oh, did I? It's like, oh. And I was never good at it. It's, like, it's always best just tell the truth. I can remember that. But this, you know, and I was never good at it. But I, I've had relatives, like, I mean, they are so good. You know, they'd remember. They could, you know, backtrack and do, manipulate and all these things. And I'm like, whoa. And I remember being in the world thinking, boy, I want to be more like this guy. You know, it's like they can really cover their tracks. And in the world, I thought it was great. I was like, man, this deception stuff, they're good. Look at how they manipulate and work things and do this. And it's just like, but that's deceit. It's a blessing when there's no deceit there, when there's no manipulation there, when it's all taken out. You give it to the Lord and you say, Lord, I I don't know how this is going to work. I don't know, you know, I know how the old way used to work and how I'd have to manipulate to try to make this work or to be deceitful to to try to, to, you know, put this together. But but Lord, I'm just going to be honest and truthful and, hey, this, this is, it's in your hands. And that's what took place with David. He finally came clean and exposed his sin and said, yeah, I'm the man. You're right. I've sinned against God. And he experienced such blessings when he did that. Verse 3, when I kept silent, my bones grew old through my groaning all the day long. For day and night, your hand, talking about the Lord's hand, was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. David was going through it. He's speaking about when he was quiet, when he was silent, when he kept the sin hidden, when he had unconfessed sin in his life. The, The heaviness was just too much for him. He couldn't bear it. I think about what happens if, you know, what would have happened if if David didn't have a good friend like Nathan in his life? The prophet. What would have happened if he would he have kept on going and going? You know, God loves us so much, he puts Nathans in our lives. He puts those people in our lives to confront us with the truth. And it's exactly what happened. And David, and we're reading, you know, all that time, you know, you think that the heaviness of, of God's hand upon him, the dryness in his life, it would have brought him to his knees. But no, it actually, David had to come, or excuse me, Nathan had to come and shine light on the situation to bring him to his knees. Unconfessed sin caused heavy, causes heaviness. 
dryness. Interesting, vitality can be translated moisture. You know, it's like he was dried up. It was, you know, the moisture was taken away. I, I think even, you know, possibly the anointing was taken away. David had the anointing of God's Holy Spirit on him, but, but God can't be one with sin. And it might have been the, the, the anointing of God's Spirit was taken off of him. And he was realizing the dryness without God's Spirit working in his life. Like, this is so dry. I can't stand it. And I'm sure if you've walked with the Lord long enough, there's, there's probably been times, you know, you're, you're walking, you're walking, you're in the Spirit, you're walking with the Lord, you know, things are going great. And then all of a sudden you're like, okay, Lord, this seems dry. And where are you, Lord? What's going on, Lord? And I suggest if that ever happens to, you know, go to Psalm 139 and pray that prayer in one, Psalm 139, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me, O Lord. Try me and see if there's any wicked way in me. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me, O God, and see if there's any wicked way in me. Search me. Try me. See what's going wrong, Lord. See what's, you know, what's, what's happening. And I, I think there's times when, when, you know, there's a dryness and, you know, you're not, the, the Lord wants to show you what it is and he wants to put his finger on it. And it might be unconfessed sin. Because we can be masters at, you know, making excuses. This is why I do this. This is why, you know, I've always done it this way. I'm Italian. I, you know, do it this way. Or I'm German, so I, you know, I do it this way. Or I'm whatever, you know, and make excuses. That's why, you know, I've always done it this way. Well, guess what? Maybe the, you know, God wants to change that in your life right now. And there's times where you, you know, I know even in my life where there's times where you don't even know. There, there was one time there was a dryness in my life. Years ago, it's just like something was happening. I could not figure out. I said, Lord, what is happening? What in the world is going on? There's something just isn't right. I don't, I really don't know. And I, I remember in my office, I remember falling on my knees and, and you know, going down on my knees and just crying out to the Lord. I said, God, I really don't know. I, I honestly don't know what's happening. Show me. Search me, oh God. What's going on? And I remember the Lord showing me. He says, well, you know, you have unforgiveness in your heart towards a certain person. And I says, well, I told him, you know, I forgave him. And he says, yeah, you told him that, but, you know, in your heart you didn't forgive him. You said it with your mouth, but you're, you're still not forgiving him. And I says, oh, you're right, Lord. I forgive him right now. And then the Lord said, call him. And I says, how long is this dry period going <laughs> to go on? <laughs> I don't want to call him. <laughs> this is between you and me, Lord. You got his number. Why don't you call him, Lord, please? For me, Lord. It was one of the toughest things to do to get on the phone and call this person. I, it was like pulling teeth. It's like, maybe take a tooth, Lord, please. Serious. I didn't want to call. But I did not want to go another minute, another second with that dryness in my life, the heaviness in my life. I still haven't called this guy. No, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> and it was difficult. I called him, you know, and nothing on his end. He was like, well, you, wait, you told me, you know, you forgave me. I said, yeah, I know. I told you with my mouth, but in my heart, I, I have not forgiven you and I need to forgive you. You hurt me. You wronged me. It was wrong what you did. But I can't continue in this way, and I truly forgive you as a brother in Christ. And the floodgates open. Spurgeon said, God does not permit his children to sin successfully. 
Spurgeon said, I'll repeat that if you take note. God does not permit his children to sin successfully. He doesn't permit it. He doesn't allow it. That's what the conviction of the Holy Spirit's all about. But it's so easy to ignore it. It's so easy to deny it. It's so easy to say, well, that's not the Lord. It must have been the pizza I ate last night, the way I'm feeling. No, it could very well be the Holy Spirit. Proverbs 28, 13 says, He who covers his sin will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. When we're wrong, we're to admit it. We're to confess it. The word confession is basically agreeing with God. You're, you're confessing it. You're agreeing with God that it's wrong. That's confession. I, I agree, Lord. You, your word tells me it's wrong. I, I'm convicted by your Holy Spirit. Yes, Lord, this is wrong. And that's all God wants us to do, basically repent, turn from it, but acknowledging the fact that when God says it's wrong, it's wrong. And our human nature always wants to try to justify, make excuses and say why we think it's right. And we can try to, we think sometimes we can convince God, but we can't fool God. God looks at us and says, no, it's still wrong. But I want to take it away. I want to change you. I want to make you different. I, I want to, you know, make a difference in your life. But you need to agree in the fact that it's wrong. And David, when he kept silent, his bones grew old. He had aches in his bones. He was groaning all day long. God's hand was heavy, 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 heavy upon him. His vitality, the moisture, God's spirit, possibly, was turned into the drought of summer. There was dryness. But then, verse 5, it goes on. <laughs> he says, I acknowledge my sin to you, talking to the Lord. My iniquity I have not hidden. I said I will confess. There's that word, agreeing with God. I will confess my transgressions, my willful sin against God to the Lord, and he forgave the iniquity of my sin. That's what God wanted, just for David to acknowledge it. It was willful, it was wrong, and God forgave the iniquity of his sin. God took it away. He said, I acknowledge my sin to you, my iniquity. So he's talking about that time in, in uh, 2 Samuel when he confessed it to the Lord, and he he was restored, and he's acknowledging that in this psalm. For this cause, verse 6, everyone who is godly shall pray to you in a time when you may be found. Surely in a flood of great waters they shall not come near him. Because of what David experienced, because of the fact that there's forgiveness of sin, you, David, I believe, saying, you, everyone that's godly, everyone that proclaims to be a believer should seek the Lord and seek forgiveness. Everyone, for this cause, everyone shall seek the Lord. And then when trouble comes, you don't have to you know, have your bones grow old. You don't have to go through the groanings. You don't have to go through you know, this, this drought. Even when the floods of great waters, when something great comes up against you, you don't have to worry because God is with you. Because of his experience, you can, you know, you can learn from it. The instruction, again, what the, the theme, one of the themes of the, the, the psalm, instruction. Here's the instruction. And then, verse 7, you are my hiding place. You, you shall preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me with songs of deliverance. Hi, this is Pastor Joe, and we'd like to take this time to wish you and your family a happy new year for 2016. And we'd like to let you know that we just began the fascinating book of Revelation here at the harbor. 
We also are very excited that we now have two Sunday services, the first one at 10 a.m. and the second one at 12 noon. So we'd like to extend an invitation to you, if you don't currently have a church family, to come and join us and be blessed as we study God's Word together. God bless you. Listening to Glory to Glory with Pastor Joe Pettick, an outreach of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. If you would like to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, call now at 714-788-8221. That's 714-788-8221. We'd like to extend an invitation to visit us here at Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Our address is 16450 Pacific Coast Highway in Huntington Beach, California, 92649. We're located in Peter's Landing Marina in Huntington Harbor. Our Sunday service times are 10 a.m. and 12 o'clock noon. Our Tuesday evening Bible study begins at 7 p.m. Now, may we continue to go to His throne of mercy as He changes us from glory to glory.